Great. Well, I'm going to do something a bit unusual today. Um, and uh, I really want to split you into two groups. And by the way that you sat, inadvertently, you have already chosen which group <laughs> you're part of. There you go. I want to get a bit of heckling going in a minute. So we're, I'm going to help you to understand where we're going. Uh, we're, again, uh, looking at the book of Ephesians. And uh, today I am looking at the whole issue of united. But I'm going to start at a place where we are not united. Okay, so, so we, to understand united, I want to take us back a bit in history uh, and um, look at what it was actually like for Gentiles, particularly before Christ. Okay, so that's where we're going uh, to really find out what, and we've been singing about it in a fantastic way this morning of actually what Christ has accomplished for us. But let's let's first go to the kind of previous situation as to where we were. So, the Gentile group. <clears throat> okay, that's it. You've got it. Okay, <clears throat> that wasn't you. That was them. <laughs> The Gentile group, okay. The Jewish group, okay. <laughs> Loads of benefits for you guys. And, it, and it's coming. Sorry, it's coming. Okay. <laughs> First of all, you are God's people. <clears throat> yeah, do you feel that? God's people. <laughs> he, the creator of the world, has chosen you... <laughs> To be his people. Yeah? Yay! Let's hear it. Yeah, that's it. I love the participation. Uh, <laughs> you have been told since you were just a wee child of your birthrights, of being part of God's people. Hard luck, guys. But <clears throat> you were told since a young child, you, you know, we're part of God's people. He's chosen us. Um, And let's remember our forefather, Abraham, how God came to him, how a land was chosen for us. God miraculously made a way for us and took us through coming out of slavery into the promised land, our promised land. He fed us in the desert. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Remember, he, he, he did miraculous things. He, at times, he sent angels. He, he brought, opened up kind of waterways for kind of drinking. He, he helped us. He, he brought down city walls. We just had to walk around them, and they came down because God was with us. Yeah. What else did he do? He was speaking through prophets and kings. We even saw children being raised from the dead. And you know what? God's on our side. It's fantastic. And all we need to do is just need to keep the law, look to the Lord, and God will remain with us. And God's promises are for us. And you know what? One day, one day, the Messiah is going to come. 
the Messiah, the Holy One, God himself. And you know where he's going to come? Is he going to come to Japan? Is he going to come to Great Britain? Is he going to come to Germany? No, he's going to come to us, our land, our people. He's going to be one of us. Good news, isn't it? It's great news. What about you guys? What's the news for you guys? <clears throat> well, <laughs> you, might, you might have heard about God's people. But you had no teaching. There was nobody teaching you. The only way you could find out was actually to come into the land of Israel and actually sit amongst them. That's the only way you could learn. Okay, there were no Jewish missionaries. Nobody sent out to those far and foreign fields. God never came to the rest of the world. We never hear God turning up in some of these other places. God had at times revealed himself in person to the people of God, but not up here. You tried to join in. You entered into the land at times. But you know what? The customs were pretty difficult to be part of it. First of all, guys, you know what's coming. It's just a little circumcision kind of thing that we need to do. You need to follow certain food laws that these guys know all about. And we've got to kind of teach you that you can't eat that now. Okay? That is out of your diet. You've got to eat this other stuff. Okay? And... Sunday, uh, uh, Sabbath, sorry, um, is a day which actually you can't do anything on. So there's no working on that. You've got to learn all these rules. You don't understand it. You're having to just to be part of that. And the trouble is when you're here, although the people of God have a, and they're taught by their law to actually show kindness to the alien, which is what you guys are, okay, the aliens, um, you, are, you definitely feel like second-class citizens. They have difficulty eating with you. They don't really want to kind of come too close. Um, and at times, you'll get called names like unclean dog. Okay? Just kind of, it's kind of part of it, okay? Um, let me tell you about the temple. Uh, the temple, which is where they go to worship, they're worshiping God. Great time. There's actually entering in the uh, high priest, entering into the holy of holies. There's a special place for you guys. Okay, it's the Gentile court. You're not even allowed in to the main bit. It's kind of around the outside. <clears throat> so you're given a bit, but it's kind of a very distant bit. You're made to feel like. You are, and how the understanding is that you're second class. You are definitely one step away, afar off. And there's severe warnings over the gate posts that if you go through this gate, where all the, all, the, all these guys downstairs here are going through, it's it could actually you could suffer death from going through one of those gateways. Okay. Now then. Let's uh, up the ante a bit. We're going to actually give out some uh, sweets, okay, for obviously the guys downstairs uh, only. Uh, you guys are never going to sit upstairs again, are you? I can see that. <laughs> okay, and we're just going to hand them down just like we do the kind of 
offering bag. Okay, just let them, just let it go. Just hand it on and it'll do it. Right, that's great. Okay, sorry guys, you're not part of this uh, thing. Uh, also, as you do, I, I know Simon said there was coffee afterwards, uh, but if you look, just turn around up there, you will see there's actually no coffee there. <laughs> We've taken it away, because obviously, you know, you're not part of God's people here. Uh, if you do want to come down, you can be part. <laughs> but it's kind of coming down here. Okay. So uh, let's just have a little bit of heckling then. Let's just, ooh, you know. Ooh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Good, good. We got it. <clears throat> okay. So let's just look at some of the things. Our position before, we were alienated and strangers, it says, afar off. Let's look at some of the scripture, okay? Uh, and I'm just looking at the kind of this, this negative part that Paul's talking about here in uh, Ephesians 2. Uh, remember, you were at that time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise having no hope and without God in the world. You were once, you once were far off. Okay? That's the state. Do you feel like that? It's good that you feel this way, okay, to help us to understand it. John Stott said, there was like a double alienation. You were alienated from God. We were, okay, And you were also alienated from his people. Okay? We were outside, or as we'd say in Scotland, out with. We were out with the community and the blessing and the promises of God. Out with. Christopher Wright says, comments on this, he says, if anyone else wanted to be part of that covenant people, they had to keep the whole law of Moses, get circumcised, keep the Sabbath, eat only richly clean food, etc. And that was the only way to truly belong among the righteous people whom God would accept on the last day. So that was the state. And it's helpful, I think, for us to kind of feel what that's like and to kind of go back into that. Um... I know when I go to a non-EU nation, uh, like Africa or something, I, th- there's, there's two queues, isn't there? And there's kind of like, um, or if I, you know, as, as, as a non-African, so I'm going down and I'm kind of, I'm looking at the queues and I'm thinking, okay, and here's the queue for the, the South Africans, if I'm going to South Africa, and it's kind of a nice short queue and I can get through literally within about 10 minutes. And the queue <laughs> for all the arrest kind of snakes back and it takes, you know, probably an hour to actually get through. And the same is true for us uh, uh, when we're, for, for, for other people that are coming to our country, uh, you see the same thing happening. Um, and there's restrictions, isn't there, in terms of voting, okay? So, so those of you who um, are from other nations, Okay, not citizens. Uh, there's issues for you about state benefit, about setting up companies. Um, 
and there's kind of limitations on how long you can stay. You're given a visa for a certain length of time as long as you're doing a certain set of things. Paul is saying, we were once without hope. What does he mean by that? We know, and this is important, it's important to say this, that God had always planned for the Gentiles to be included in his promises. Okay? And we see that in Genesis 28, okay? In you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed, he says to Abraham. All the families of the earth be blessed. So actually, right at the beginning, it was always because this wasn't a second thought. Oh, actually, as a second idea, mm, actually, I think we maybe should include the Gentiles now. It was always God's plan to include them. Romans 9, Paul quotes Hosea 2, okay, which is an Old Testament prophet. Those who were not my people will be called sons of the living God. There was a time when, as Gentiles, we were outside of those promises. That the issue was, it wasn't that God never in- intended it. It was that we didn't know about it. And it was a bit of a mystery, even to the people of God, the Jews, that actually they were going to be included. So it came as a bit of a shock when they sort of t- totally realized this, but we didn't see until after Christ came. Okay, this uniting uh, bit. And it's a bit like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, so there might be somebody in a, a, a third world nation, okay, who has certain health issues. And it's not that there isn't an answer to those health issues, maybe, say, cataract issues, eye problems, or something like that. But they don't, if they don't know about it, and they don't have access to it, then it's not much use to them. Yeah, And that's how it was. It's, it's as Gentiles, we wouldn't have known, we wouldn't have had access to these things. We wouldn't have known about these things. Nobody taught us about these things. So that was the problem. That was why we were without hope. It wasn't that actually it wasn't in God's heart. It was that actually we just didn't know about it. We didn't have a way of, be, of getting to know. So we were outside of that. And um, I think it's great that we've got uh, things like C. Kenya, uh, that I know that, I don't know if Maria's here today, uh, that, that Maria's involved in um, going out to Kenya and actually, you know, bringing eye clinics and helping people uh, and things like that, that actually brings that, that, that knowledge and that ability and that skill that's actually saying, let's go to some of these nations and let's bring some of this literal practical help. Uh, that we can actually do. So it's great that we're actually involved in that as well. So, so next we're looking at the dividing wall of hostility. So scripture says, he has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. We were separated by a wall of hostility, a bit like this balcony here. Uh, There was a wall that was dividing us from God, which was our sin, yeah? And a wall that was dividing us, actually, from God's chosen people. And if you remember, we see 
This kind of coming about, particularly in Acts 10, where the sheet came down for Peter and he suddenly saw that he could, God was saying, eat, you can now eat, I can't eat these animals, these are are forbidden. No, no, I'm now saying you now can. And there was that, that revelation that came that was actually saying, you know, it was like this. There were all these food laws. Now I've changed that. And actually, um, I'm opening it all up. And there was a opening it up. And suddenly they started to realize that it was opened up for all the Gentiles, that actually the Gentiles could believe in just the same way as the Jews could believe. So that was great news. And that came in. Okay. Um, so just to sum up the negatives. So to finish off this list of negatives, we weren't members of his household. We didn't have any inheritance in God. All the promises that were made throughout the Bible um, basically were applicable to Jews. And as non-Jews, we had a real difficult way through to actually see become part of that. Okay, So we were outside of that. So now let's look at what Christ accomplished, how, in fact, he, through the cross, brought these two together. Paul wants to emphasize for us the total transformation that took place. Not just, I want to say, a personal salvation. Often we see it as a personal, Jesus saved me. True but it's far bigger than that. And we need to get the bigger picture, not just the personal, it's all just about me and Jesus. It's actually, he um, has incorporated us into a whole new people group. Old prejudices no longer apply. Christ gave us a new citizenship. Before the cross, there were Jews, God's people, and Gentiles. And he is now saying that actually, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are part of him and part of his new household. And he, Paul's talking about it being a new man. He describes it as a new society and a new temple. And it's important that we see it's not just a, an annex that somehow we got sort of tacked on. So, so these guys that you're getting tacked on to here, that actually I've joined. It's just so for, we can think it's just about us as Gentiles getting joined on to our Jewish brethren, okay, and that we're sort of added to. I want to say what Paul's, the revelation that Paul's bringing is it's. Much more radical than that. It's much more radical than that. Back in 1994, okay, um, I was part of a church and we were called Kingsland, okay, in Biker in Newcastle. And um, there was myself uh, and another elder, Ian, okay, and um, one day Ian was playing squash. And he was playing with another pastor from another church, another church plant, actually called Andy. After a bit, I'll kind of, he came back to me and said, you know what, I've met this guy, Andy, and, you know, 
just feels like every time we meet, God's really on it and God's kind of speak, seems to be speaking to us about saying, well, why have we got two churches doing very much the same thing? Why don't we join together? Okay, this is part of, this is part of my history and some of your history, okay, that are here today. Uh, and so we talked a lot about it. We talked to some of the apostolic guys um, like Dave Devonish and stuff, and we decided to create a whole new church. But the problem was that we didn't want to have a kind of an us and a them. We didn't want to have kind of, this is the A church and this is the B church, and that all the time that you ever looked at it, you always could see a bit of the kind of, oh, were you part of that group or were you part of that group? Yeah? So do you know what we did? We did something that actually, as I look back on it and as I look at this scripture, that we're, that we're talking about today. I realized how radical it was. We decided to put both churches to death. We, we literally had a sort of funeral service for both churches. And then we had a new, we decided we formed a new church with a new name. Okay? And we had a service that said, right, okay, this is now the new church. And the, we had... One important, really important kind of rule. And that rule was that you can't talk about the old one that you were part of. Because actually it's unhelpful. So it's unhelpful for, for, for one of you to kind of say, oh yeah, do you remember the days when... Oh no, sorry, you weren't there, were you? <laughs> so we actually had this kind of rule. We said, no, actually, let's not talk about the past. Let's... Because otherwise we're going to start seeing the crack again is going to appear. And we actually want to have one new man. We want to have one new church. And it, it really worked. It really worked. It was great. And I actually see that this is what Christ did. And I, I, we, do anybody know what a, um, a ringer is? Do you know what a ringer is? probably haven't mixed amongst criminal fraternity enough, <laughs> like we did in Viker. Uh, so a ringer is a car <laughs> that has been stitched together like this. See this car? <clears throat> uh, <laughs> ne- next door to our house in, in Viker in Newcastle, we actually had <laughs> Kev. Now, this wasn't one of Kev's cars, but he, we did see cars kind of appear a bit like this outside okay, our house. And what Kev would do is he would work down and he would buy, inverted commas, I suppose, um, (laughs) some cars that had been written off, okay, yeah, and stitch them together, okay. And so he would then take out the vehicle license plates that actually show you with the chassis numbers and stuff, and he'd take those out and put a new one in, and he would stitch together these cars. So people thought that they were buying a great, you know, Mini, and actually they were actually buying two Minis that had been in terrible crashes and joined together, okay? And that's what he did uh, until he was put in prison. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
But I've got to tell you, he, he, used to, he used to bring his son along to church. I tell you, he, he, he was really interested. I tell you, it was just an amazing thing. Uh, anyway, um, it's really important that actually we see that what God did is he didn't just do a ringer. Okay, he didn't just bring together two things and just do that. He actually formed one new man, one new temple, one new society. He formed a new people. He made a new people in Christ. And it's not like we're kind of, we're, we're just attached to the old. We're actually new. I'm a new man. And when we say, I'm a new man in Christ, often we're just talking about us personally, what God's done to us personally. But it's bigger than that. He made us a new man. And meaning, one body, one new person that actually uh, is describing this is now my new person in Christ, my new society. I'm now part of this uh, citizenship belongs to, I'm now a person of God first and foremost. It's very radical. Let's look at the scripture. For he himself is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. Let's just keep that scripture up a moment. It's radical, radical stuff. Create in himself one new man in place of the two. Yeah. Not two. Not two joined together. One new man. Old Jewish rules, old Jewish regulations and attitudes must not re-emerge. He was really clear. I do not want these old attitudes. Peter, what are you doing? He says in Galatians 2. You ended up eating on the table with your dear old Jewish brothers because you have separated yourself away from the Gentile converts, showing in the way that you behave that you don't believe this stuff. That you actually, this isn't one new man in Christ and you've actually separated again. You're creating. Do you see what a terrible thing this is? Confronts him to his face because what you've done now, you've just, you have, you've just taken away everything Christ's done by the way that you've gone and sat in that table over there. Do you see how radical that was? That's why Paul was so energized and so strong about this point. Read about it in Galatians 2. He formed a new people, Christians. Not Jewish Christians or Gentile Christians, but Christians. A place where women and men have equal access and equality to God. Slaves, free men, equal status before God. No inferiority. No black or white or Chinese or rich or poor or young and old, healthy or ill, able-bodied or impaired, Scots or English. Canadians or Americans. For Galatians 3, 2, 26. 
You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor freeman. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. Yeah? Amen? Can I hear an amen? Amen. My citizenship has changed. Your citizenship has changed. My rights have changed. My inheritance has changed. And there is a mystery that he talks about. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. There is this mystery that Paul brings. It says, actually, they've always been, it was always, it was always planned, but now through what Christ's done on the cross, they're actually, it's not us and, us and them, they're fellow heirs. They're members of the same body. They're partakers of the same promises are actually true. For all Christians, no matter what their background. Again, a quote from Christopher Wright. The law was never meant to be a means of salvation. Salvation has, had always been and still is a matter of faith in the promises of God, which we now place in Christ. I throw that in. That could be a whole other <laughs> preach. Uh, which I'm not going to do, but I think it's important. Sometimes we look at me thinking, oh yeah, in the Old Testament, it was all about keeping the law. It actually, actually was all, Paul brings us out, actually it was always about faith in God, as he brings out in Romans. It was always that. And it's important that we hear that. (laughs) Okay, so what do we get? Winding up. So there was this, there was this mystery, and I, I want to say it's a bit like having a Rubens in the attic, okay? Let's just see the picture. Uh, so you go upstairs, and you go up into your attic, and you go through the loft door, and you go in, and suddenly you dust off this picture, and you look at it, and you go, what is this picture that, you know, Granny left us? And you go, wow, I think it's a Rubens. I mean, it's worth millions. The mystery is, it's always been a Rubens. The mystery is, <laughs> it was always a Rubens. Yeah? It's always been a Rubens. The issue is that I just didn't realize that I had a Rubens in my attic. That's the mystery. The mystery is that God was always planning that the Gentiles were going to be part. It was always part of God's plan, right? But it was just that I didn't know about it. As Gentiles, we didn't know about it. We didn't know about this thing. And it was only through Christ that we actually realized, ah, he's he's for a new man. I'm actually part of God's household, God's plans, God's promises. And Paul also talks about us being a new temple. So the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Why is this important? Well, Let's remember that there was Solomon's temple, there was Zerubbabel's temple, 
It was Herod's temple. Okay? And we've talked a bit about that in terms of the um, outside courts where the Gentiles were uh, the only place they were allowed to go. Um, So we've seen that we're a new man, a new society, a new temple. Why is it a new temple? And we really, we come into real understanding about this, don't we? Uh, As we see Jesus' teaching to the woman at the well. Isn't it amazing that actually he reveals this such deep truth and he reveals it to this, um, <laughs> to this woman who's had a number of different men. Um, and he reveals probably one of the deepest truths to this woman. Okay, And he brings it out and he says, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain or in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. But an hour is coming and now is. When true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And I want to say, why is it so revelatory? And I'll tell you this. It's because when you've got a temple that's in a physical land, and obviously the people, God's, God's Jewish people, kind of felt very proud of the fact that actually, no, the temple is in Jerusalem. We know where the temple is. And if you want to come, if you want to know about God, you need to come to Jerusalem. And we've got a little bit for you over there, but you've got to come here. That's, you've got to come to this place, and it's our place, and it's in our land. And what Christ is doing is he's saying, no, no, no. It's, it's not in here or there. I'm actually I'm creating a people, and I'm going to dwell with my people. And it's not here or there. It's not that actually... Any one people group can say, I've kind of got ownership of where God is. Okay? Like, like you must come to Toronto or you must come to Edinburgh. You know, this is it. This is where God is. No, no. He's saying, no, no. God is. People worship me in spirit and in truth. God is with us anywhere where two or three gather together, so will I be in the midst of them. So it's like... It, and this was always God's plan. The temple was just a, a, a pale reflection of what was to come. That actually God's saying, I want to dwell with my people. So it, it, the beauty of it is that it doesn't get kind of locked up to a particular place. It's actually with us as a people of God wherever we are. Whether we you know, are on the other side of the world or here in Scotland. So... In conclusion, Christ's death on the cross was a total game changer. He united us to God. He includes us into this wonderful relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, broke down the wall of hostility that divided mankind, God's people, the Jews from the Gentiles, into one new man, one new society, one new temple in Christ And he abolished the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances. He didn't abolish moral laws. So it's still, God's heart is still that we don't lie, still that we don't murder, still that we don't commit adultery, still that we honor the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind. So the, the, he, hasn't, he hasn't changed that. Christ came to fulfill the law. He lived a perfect life. 
But basically, those other things, the circumcising, the food laws, the Sabbath keeping, actually he's saying, no, no, it's just about having faith in Jesus Christ. I want to say to all of us here this morning, all you have to do to actually be part of God, his people, his promises, his eternity, is to have faith in Jesus Christ. That's all you have to do. You just have to have faith in Jesus Christ. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. This is the gospel of God. It is open to all, no matter what country you come from or what your circumstances. It is open to all. And nobody is second class. It is the same for every single person. So what is the application for us? Well, we need to live in the good of all this wonderful truth. I need to know that I'm a new creature in Christ. The old is gone. At baptism, we celebrate, as we were talking about baptism earlier on, our old life being crucified on the cross with Christ Jesus and being genuinely born again, brought into this new man. It's not just a personal new creation, but also I'm joined to the household, a whole new family. I'm part of a whole new family. Some of you here are saying, I'm, I felt left out of my family. I didn't feel like I was ever wanted in my family. I feel like some of you are single parents. Some of you are kind of just feeling like on the outskirts, God is saying, actually, I've joined you to a whole new family. This is your whole new family. You guys down here, say hi to these guys up here. Okay, we welcome you. Okay, you are part of us. Okay, really important. Secondly, it has big implications on how we do church. And I want to finish with this. And I'm kind of on a serious note. There's to be no schisms, no fractures, no clicky groups, no us and them. We need, just as Paul was, to be ruthless, ruthless about rooting out wrong attitudes. Hoy, that's that's a wrong attitude. That's, that's not an attitude that says we're all one family here. You're having an us and them mentality. We're not having that. We're not having it. We need to demonstrate kindness to all, forgiveness. Anything that causes a root of bitterness to grow up or a fracture to happen. Let's watch out for middle class British attitudes that we impose on others as being biblical, when in fact they're just more in keeping with the old society that we were part of. Yeah, And there are things like that. We've got to look at it ruthlessly and go, is that really biblical or is that just my middle class values? Because many of them are completely wrong. It's so important that we demonstrate this by having a united church where we have different ethnic backgrounds worshipping together. We're not separate. We're not saying, let's have a um, Vietnamese church over there and an African church here and a European church. We're actually saying, no, we're all together. We're demonstrating something by being all together from all these different ethnic backgrounds that we comprise of. We're demonstrating about being something about God's new society. Yeah? It's really important. And this is this marvelous mystery that he has revealed.